Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Wealth Planning Podcast Series here on the UBS Conversations Podcast Channel. For today, we are looking forward to a conversation around legacy planning. I do have with me our host, Eric Sini of UBS. Eric is an Executive Director and Wealth Planning Strategist. So Eric will take a few moments here at the top to provide some further context around what you'll be hearing today, as well as introduce our guest. So with that, Eric, welcome back. I'll pass it over to you. Fantastic, Dan. Thank you, as always, for all that you do behind the scenes. I really appreciate it. It makes everything go. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us again. I'm excited to share another edition of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to spend some time talking about, as Dan mentioned, wealth transfer and the importance of legacy planning, uh, both of which can be used not only to care for your family, but drive an impact for others. And so joining me today to discuss this topic is my good friend and colleague, Lisa Snyder. Lisa is an executive director here at UBS, Wealth Planning Strategist. And uh, Lisa, welcome and thank you. Looking forward to speaking with you today. Thank you, Eric. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, I've been looking forward to it. We've been talking about this for a while, and, and we, we spend a lot of time talking about these issues. Obviously, this is the focus of what our group does. So, you know, this is an area we hit on a regular basis. Families, how they transfer wealth, family missions, charitable impact. You know, all this is very common in what we do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so knowing that, how do you get into this conversation? What what do you use to start with a large family when you're working with someone to, to really start getting into the weeds? Eric, I like to start with a story, and it's an interesting one. It's actually about the inventor of dynamite. I know it seems a little oh. odd, but bear with me on this one. <laughs> this gentleman had incredible success uh, as the use of dynamite became more common, and this was back in the mid to late 1800s. And he really saw it as a way to create change in the world, to build what couldn't be done before, and to connect communities where there hadn't been any means to do so previously. Much of his wealth, however, came from the manufacture of weapons and munitions. And this was quite interesting because he was a self-proclaimed pacifist. In 1988, his brother died in an accident, and it was reported that he had died. And, of course, that story made headlines around the world. And those were headlines that uh, this gentleman didn't particularly like. One French newspaper proclaimed that the merchant of death is dead, noting that he had become rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever. So as you can imagine, Eric, this gentleman was quite shocked, and he was even saddened by the reports of his death. So he committed changing what he would leave for the world. He amended his estate plan, and when he died seven years later, the world found that he had left a vast amount of his fortune, not to his family, but he used this to create awards for those who had contributed the most to society in a given year in five categories. These were chemistry, physics, medicine, literature, and peace. Today we know these as the Nobel Prizes, and the man, of course, was Alfred Nobel. Alfred had an opportunity, Eric, that none of us will likely get. He got to see his legacy before his death. He didn't like what he saw, so he set about changing it. And it was through changing his legacy that he was able to create positive, impactful change in the world for more than a century and, and ongoing. So the crux of this story and the reason I share it is that it's imperative for families to plan now and to plan with intentionality. I feel like planning is often confined to financial planning and estate planning. We tend to have a myopic focus on tax savings and investment. And it's not just about the numbers. What I find, Eric, is that we really need to engage in the human side of planning to set up these next generations for success and really to make a positive and lasting impact in society. 
Yeah, you, you really said something there for me, Lisa. It's you know, it, it just isn't about only the numbers, right? We talk about numbers a lot. We talk more. We talk about estate taxes and how that works. You know, it focuses on the numbers and points, but but families are people, right? And, and so they have interests, they have things that they support, and it, it's just so much more than just the numbers. Um, you know, I know UBS has some great content on this subject, right? Obviously, there's a lot of intellectual capital here. Uh, there's actually an investor watch uh, put out called Share It Well. I think it was back in October from our chief investment office. And I think it's both the idea of wealth and the future generations, right? So great insights in terms of the kinds of things that we certainly see every day. What did you find most interesting about that article? I loved this edition of Investor Watch, Eric, and this issue in particular, because it really dove deep into the challenges and opportunities that families face when they're transferring wealth to next generations. There were some very interesting statistics that jumped out at me. Let me just hit a couple highlights for you. The report said that parents want to minimize the financial discord that often comes with transferring wealth. Right? Well, of course, right? I don't think anybody wants to see their family ripped apart when of they receive their inheritances. Right. They also want to ensure that the inheritance process goes smoothly and their heirs use wealth wisely. And I think, again, we know from, from not only work but also from personal relationships that that isn't necessarily the case. Both parents and heirs are reluctant to have the talk about what happens next. And it really happens on both sides, Eric, where parents don't want their heirs to feel entitled and the heirs don't want to appear greedy. Right? How many times right. have you had those conversations, right? You know, all the time, right? That, that, literally, that piece sums it up right there, all the time. <laughs> it does. It's it frequently in conversation. And, and then I think a couple other numbers to wrap this up is 40%. Um, of the heirs wish they discussed their parents' inheritance plans more before the parents pass. A third of these inheritors admit to unresolved conflict in their families. That is a big number for ongoing conflict over inheritance. And then um, among those surveys as executors, more than 60% said it was difficult to carry out last wishes, which uh, I don't know if you've been a trustee before, Eric, but I have, and it's a miserable and thankless job. Yeah, it's a challenge. There's no doubt. And it's it's because of family dynamics. And I think what you're keying on there for me is just communication, right? Through, through all the years that you and I both worked with this, I think we would agree communication is certainly an important element of this because um, without it, you, you get a lot of these issues and the stats are certainly bearing that out. So um, shifting just for a second here, now, one of the things we know is going on, you know, is the generational transfer of wealth. You know, and they call it money in motion, right? And we've heard that phrase a lot. Mm -hmm. With with all this wealth that's changing hands out there, what are the challenges now that you're seeing you know, with our clients? I mean, we know about the boomers and going from that generation to the next one, but what, what are we really running into? You know, let's start for a minute with what we're defining as successful wealth transfer because I think that's an important piece. And I look at that as when heirs receive and manage wealth in ways that enable them to really develop and pursue lifetime goals. You can kind of think of that as purpose. And also to maintain family unity. And as some of the stats above said, you know, this is, this is a challenge, maintaining family unity. Um, and I think, Eric, most people don't want their kids doing nothing. That's a common theme in, uh, in the meetings <laughs> that we have. True. And if you think, I think of money, parents, we don't want to do that, right? Sorry. Yes, yes. No, exactly. That's exactly right. As parents, you don't want to see it. 
and, and I like this analogy. If we think of money as a power tool, it should be used to do something and not just be something. So interesting perspectives on successful wealth transfer. And some studies have shown, and this is the piece going back to the money in motion and challenges, 70% of wealth transferred fails to survive the second generation. By the time the third generation passes away, 90% of that original family wealth is lost. Those are massive numbers. Yeah. It's a massive number. And uh, you, you just stole a line from one of my favorite movies, I think. Uh, you, I don't know if you've ever seen The Descendants with George Clooney. Uh, it's it's yeah. an older movie, but a uh, great line in it, which I think always it comes up a lot in our conversations, which is give your children enough to do something, but not enough to do nothing, right? Same exact idea, uh, I think, that you're, you're, you're speaking to here. Um, and then as, in terms of the, the generational wealth that dissipates, uh, you know, there's a phrase that our one of our internal groups, um, family advisor and philanthropy team, spends a lot of time talking about, and that's the shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves in three generations concept. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know you've heard that one. So the first generation creates the wealth, the second enjoys it, and the third gets what's left over. And, and if it's, you know, based on the stats, that's not a lot. And so I think it sort of stands as a warning sign for the families and wealth and making sure that they do spend time communicating and planning. It does. And, and I will tell you, this is a global phenomenon. It's not limited to the United States. This is a phrase that shirt sleeves the shirt sleeves in three generations. It translates around the world. So I'll just share with you. My favorite version is the Italian version, which translates into English as from the stables to the stars and back again. Huh. That's great. I do like that. And again, it's it's the same concept, right? It's just making sure that you're doing planning because if you're not, what you're building is, is not going to be long-lived. So why does this commonly happen? What are what are we seeing as the as the basis for these issues? Is it poorly drafted, or you know, documents, or, or just documents that are wrong? Like, what's what's happening? No, it's it's not. In fact, it's less than five percent of the time is it document related and estate planning related. It's it's different issues. There's really three areas where um, we see families struggling. And studies have shown that it's these three things. And the primary culprit is lack of trust and communication. Now, you mentioned communication earlier. And absolutely, it's an issue. I mean, we know communication is foundational to all good relationships, whether it's spouses, whether it's bosses and subordinates, whether it's teammates. We have to have good communication. And that's an exchange of information that needs to go both ways. So if there's no communication, you're left to wonder and come to your own conclusion And sometimes that can lead to trouble. Um, Unresolved conflict can destroy families. Families really need this open forum that uh, where they can talk. And that, again, goes back to the Investor Watch article and some of the feedback that we got. Family conversations, they're just imperative. And this is a key piece when we talk about communication, Eric, is that heirs need to hear what comes next from the lips of Generation 1. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you focus on it, when you look at it that way, right, the communication, if you leave everybody in the dark, it leads to speculation. And speculation is going to go the wrong way, right, often to litigation. And, and we know that when the wealth gets tied up in litigation, the big winners are usually the lawyers and not, not the clients, not the family. No doubt. And I didn't talk about trust. We talked about communication, and it is a combination of trust and communication. Here's the thing on trust, because it's always like, well, how do you define trust? There are three assessments to trust. Reliability, sincerity, and competence. So reliability, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Sincerity, you mean what you say. 
and competence, you're able to do it. If one of those is missing, there's going to be a lack of trust. And again, that's part of the challenge in transferring wealth. The second reason wealth doesn't survive is unprepared beneficiaries. So, Eric, we all know about the lottery winners, right? They, they get their money, and it's gone. They, they squander it in short order. And I think Too that's often. somewhat expected, right? It, 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 but we, I think we all expect it. You hear somebody win the lottery, oh, you know, they're going to blow that sooner than later. I think it's expected because they don't have any financial knowledge and skills in most cases. And why would they? This is unlikely and unexpected wealth. Here's the thing. Family wealth, generational wealth, it's anything but unexpected. Knowing what it takes to create the wealth and preserve the wealth, Generation 1 needs to take the time to prepare their heirs, to receive it, to manage it, to put it to good use. And then finally, Eric, the third reason. It's really difficult to successfully transfer wealth if you don't have a family mission. And this family mission, think of it as a guidepost for your family and your trusted advisors today for generations to come. So it articulates your core family values, but it also prioritizes the use of family wealth. And this really, Eric, this is purposeful planning. It takes time. It takes work. But this is a crucial part. It's a crucial element to families really being able to continue to thrive and prosper, prosper for, you know, generations to come. Yeah, you know, intentionality is such a great word there because they, the family, you know, the first generation spends so much time being intentional to create the wealth in almost every case, right? It's, it's not a lottery, 99.9% of the time. It's very intentional. It's a lot of hard work. And then they need to apply that same kind of focus to the planning to make sure that it passes on with the same level of detail. And I think they'd be more successful. Um, now, one other thing that I know is a big piece of this, and it's something that you believe in, is this idea of gratitude. And I, I think you've called in the past creating a culture of gratitude in your family. Right? So if you think about gratitude, how does that fit in with just everything else you've been talking about here and what you talk to families about? I want to share with you first a quote, and I, I always slip this in. You know I'm a big baseball fan. We've talked about this. Huge. I know it. And I, go Dodgers. And I have a, that's right. Go Dodgers. And I have a quote from Maya Angelou that I love. And she says, I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. And I think that really sums up philanthropy. Um, and if you look at today's families, you know, they have so much. And we hear about this sense of entitlement among the younger generations and a lack of thankfulness and appreciation for the family wealth. And, and they didn't create this money, but they get to enjoy it. And I've had those conversations a lot with families, as I'm sure you have, that, you know, how are we going to get our kids on board here? So there's some interesting research done by Dr. Robert Emmons, uh, a leader in the field of positive psychology, Eric. You're familiar with positive psychology? I'm not. I'm familiar with gratitude, but not positive psychology. But please tell me. This is, this is a fascinating story. He put together research, and he showed that a practice of gratitude not only increases our happiness and well-being by 25% on average, but it also helps us avoid the negative effects of entitlement and affluenza. His formula is gratitude plus generosity equals happiness, health, and longevity. And I love this because I think this is where this creating a culture of gratitude comes in. It's this pathway to happiness and health and longevity. So getting your family to participate in the community, in supporting causes beyond themselves, 
giving back to demonstrate gratitude and generosity is just part of what I see families doing in building this culture of gratitude. And it's this thoughtful giving of time, treasure, and talent as the family works together. It also promotes family unity. This is what really leads to that impact and positivity for causes that your family cares most about. So more, I think we can have a huge discussion on culture of gratitude, but I really think that it's just working together as a family and, again, going beyond yourselves and looking at the community and what you can do with that family well. Well, and, and you know we see that so much with so many of our clients, right? It's, it's a very common theme that they, they want to support uh, and continue to support the causes that they've, they've grown to love and, and spent time with in the communities. And so they, we spend an awful lot of time talking about that and, and the best ways to do it. In fact, you know, obviously across UBS, that's a, that's a big topic. As I mentioned before, we have an, an entire group dedicated to the family advisory and philanthropy concept. And so it's, it's not just about the estate documents, right? It's about how to have these conversations for the generational wealth, how to talk about the mission statements and how to create them and really get into a deep dive about, <clears throat> well, here's what we build and how are we going to communicate it and, and how is everybody going to receive it? And where does that take us, right? It's all about being intentional, as you said before. So really good stuff today. Um, well, Lisa, listen, we're running up on our time. Uh, it, it was a quick a quick session today, um, packed full of content. I, I really love uh, the conversation. So thank you so much uh, for, for taking time out of your day to, to speak with us about the, the legacy planning. Well, it was my pleasure to be here, Eric. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, with that, uh, that wraps another episode of the Wealth Planning Podcast. We appreciate your time joining us. And for our listeners, if you have questions regarding today's discussion, please reach out to your financial advisor who can start the process of bringing in the resources like Lisa, like the Chief Investment Office and Family Advisory and Philanthropy teams into that discussion. Right? There's an awful lot of intellectual capital that we can bring to bear to have these discussions and help you um, work your way through some of the harder parts of these discussions because we do it all the time. So thank you again, and please join us next month for another installment of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 